growing through the crisis such that when we get to the other side, there will be something that we will have learned, something transformative, something changed about this existence. Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers podcast. Here is the second half of my interview with Cedric Ashley. Enjoy. I wonder if your business will increase either now or or post-COVID because I think what this is doing is it's kind of acting as an accelerator for folks and in some ways not so good. For example, like relationships that did fine living the lives they were living before this now that people are living under the same roof for a load of time, some of the issues are coming to the surface that are straining relationships. And and also, maybe it's going to cause folks to look at what they're doing and, and is this something that I really want to be doing, whether it be practice law or being a therapist or, or whatever that is. People may start questioning some things that they maybe were questioning at some level before all this, but but COVID is bringing it to more to the surface. I agree 100%. I hope in general, if this has not helped to shape that search for meaningfulness, we don't need a clarion call larger than this. And things will continue to occur as, as we develop more and as the world becomes more interconnected by planes and, and all chips and everything. There'll be other things that we will have to contend with. So I'm hoping that this will help folks begin that search for meaningfulness and figure out where does it fit. You know, so it may fit that, you know, I hate this job. I could, uh, it has no meaning to me whatsoever. Uh, I don't particularly like my clients, but I'm in a decent sized firm. I'm, I'm a staff attorney. I'm not worried about being a partner. I'm making $370,000 a year. And that's allowing me to do the things that I enjoy, which could be whatever. It could be travel, could be who knows what it could be. It could be providing the, the lifestyle my family wants. It could be taking a good portion of that money and pumping it into scholarships for somebody else, whatever it is. So that just the key is finding that meaningfulness. Got to know why you're doing what you're doing. And if it's not because that's the most meaningful, passionate, purposeful thing you're doing, it's because hopefully it allows you to do that meaningful, passionate, purposeful thing that you want to do. But if it's doing neither, you know, now's the time to really rethink this. You know, time to rethink this when when people, when 1.2 million official, probably more like 2 million people have been infected with a disease and in two months, close to 80,000 probably by now, uh, have have died from it. And these deaths are deaths where you can't really grieve. You can't see the you, may see them as they're dying, but you can't go through the process of celebrating their life. Unlike 9-11, unlike the dot-com bubble uh, and burst, unlike the 2008 crash, uh, this is just something that is totally different. And we have to learn something. One quick thing I'll say is another article I have coming out for the ABA GPO, GP Solo Magazine in, towards the end of June is talking about leaning into... you are the, uh, uh, you are the uh, editor. Yeah, yes, I'm the editor-in-chief of uh, ABA GP Solo Magazine. Great publication. It's free if you're a part of the member of the ABA. And I also try to filter my articles out on the web um, if I can. So the title is called Leaning into a Crisis. And it, it just talks about three general things as it relates to COVID-19. Going through, getting through, and growing through. We are, are going through this crisis. We don't have a choice. You, you can sit and you can slumber. You can do whatever, but it is here. We will all go through this crisis. Then there's getting through. 
there's being intentional about whenever that day was, and it was weeks or months ago for me, it's I'm going to get through this crisis. I, now, can I predict it? And so far, I haven't, uh, at least I don't know if I, if, I, if I have the disease, it was it was very quick and it went through and it really didn't do much, but I'm going to ever do everything I can do to get through it. Do I know exactly? No, but since I have a choice and it's my own mindset, I'm going to choose that I'm going to have the mindset that I'm going to get through this crisis. But more importantly, after going through, which we have no choice, after getting through, which there is choice, the question is, will you grow through this? What will you learn? What transformative thing will come out of this experience for you? So the the highest level, I think, of working through this COVID-19 crisis is growing, G-R-O-W-I-N-G, growing through the crisis such that when we get to the other side, there will be something that we will have learned, something transformative, something changed about this existence. Yeah, I actually did a blog for the Lawyer Assistance Program here Mm. in Vancouver last week. And uh, this isn't something that I've thought of, but I included in the blog the question of what kind of insight or new behavior during this time do you want to carry over into post-COVID? Because there's some wisdom you've you've gained, some change of behavior that you like. Right. There might be some kind of opportunity that's come from this horrible situation. I think the interesting thing is being grateful. You know, obviously we're not grateful for any death or any illness or, or sickness or, or, or the, just the collapsing of the economy. But to the extent that person is still alive and listening to this podcast, there has to be some gratitude for having gotten through this process. And there has to be, I think, something, you know, some honoring that getting through by saying, I just can't be the same. Maybe some people can, but there's three people I know personally that I died within months from this. And, mm. you know, I'm sorry changes. to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've heard of uh, friends, parents who have died in the last couple of weeks. And I mean, it's, it, this is real. What's yes. going on. And we don't know when it's going to end. What are some of the helpful tools that maybe you can provide to our listeners, short of, of course, coming to see you? Here's five or six, I think it's like six or so questions that you can really write down and ask yourself as it relates to what you're currently doing and what you may have an idea. Some people don't totally know, you know, if they're ready for change, they don't know what it is, but sometimes you do have an idea. It's easy to exclude things you don't, you know, okay, I don't want to be a jet pilot fighter. Uh, we can We can narrow issues down. But a couple questions that you can ask yourself that will help begin to have you think through what's going on. So one, to to what extent, and you can ask either to what extent or within my my workbook, I actually um, ask the question and the person has to scale it from one to 10, one being totally unsatisfactory, 10 to being in heaven. So to what extent is the work that I'm doing productive? Productive for you, not for the client. So, of course, if you're working out a divorce or employment litigation or creating a business or whatever it may be, it's beneficial to them. But I'm saying to you, these are all internal questions. To what extent is the work that you're doing productive? Right. So because productive can be that's a loaded word for uh, lawyers because they tend to focus too much on being, quote unquote, productive. Exactly. But that's not necessarily in line with their values. Exactly. So congruent with what's important to them. 
so productive for a young associate, you know, even though there's a lot more artificial intelligence these days, but if you're one part of a big piece of litigation and you're in a, a warehouse looking at a bunch of documents, eh, you're getting paid. It is productive to the case, it's productive to the client, it's productive to the cause, but eh, you know, for you personally, eh, you probably could think of some better things that you can do. So productivity, mm-hmm. that's one question. Second question, to what extent are you proficient in what you are doing, right? So putting productivity aside, you know, if you're struggling because you're not the greatest litigator, you're not the greatest writer, and you're in an appellate section, you're not the greatest litigator, and you're in a trial team, you're not the greatest chemist, and you're in a patent department, what is the level of proficiency you believe you have in what you're doing? Because that's a skill set upgrade that potentially you can change that. That's a proficiency issue. Third question, to what extent are you passionate about what you're doing? There's a whole debate. I think at this point in my life, unless unless there's some other reason behind the why of what I'm doing, I better have some level of passion or enjoyment. So whether it's passion, enjoyment, uh, satisfaction, there needs to be some level of passion uh, that I have to what I'm doing. And then the fourth question is, to what extent does this job or this position provide peace? So how far away from stress is it? And understanding stress is not a bad thing. There's, I think, uh, Kelly, I can't remember, Kelly McGonagall, I think. Kelly, Mag- Kelly McGonagall, yeah, I mentioned her in, my, in our, our last episode. Yeah, the upside of stress. Yep, the upside of stress. So stress, right. you know, manage, stress is not a bad thing, just has to be managed. But continuous pressure and stress, you need to ask how much is that playing in your particular role? And then fifth question would be, to what extent, you know, and this is both for what you're doing and what you may be considering doing, to what extent is there profit? We're talking not just like some mythical term profit. We're talking financial compensation. To what extent is the profit or is there profit in what you're doing? And if there is profit, is it at the level of you know satisfaction to you? I mean, there are many positions that you, you may be passionate about. And these are all trade-offs. So you may be passionate about what you do. You may be, it may be productive to you. You may be great at it, but you're working, you know, for legal services and you're like, yeah, I'm not earning what I probably could earn in, in a private sector, but there are all these other things about this position that I enjoy that I'm okay with this being. And that's where, and that's where values fits yep. into all this, right? Yep. Yep. If you ask those questions, both as to where you are and then, you know, kind of jumping ahead to take those same questions about what you're thinking about, because the, that profit question tends to be the difficult one, because I think I want to do this or X, but I'm not sure if I can earn a living from it. Well, unless this is something totally new, that nobody, and the fact that if it's totally new, that may not be a bad thing, but there's more than likely someone else out there doing it and making a living. And if you've been doing it in general, sort of just casually or on the side or as a a volunteer or just some hobby thing, you're capable of doing, you're proficient at doing it, you're good at it, you love it. The question is, you're just not ready to figure out how do you make the leap to make this the the income source of, of what you're doing. And when you get through all those questions, if you find it to be productive, if you're proficient at what you do, if you're passionate about what you do, if you find some level of peace in it, if you can profit from it, the question becomes, for that time in your life, have you found your purpose? I don't believe a purpose is a continuous, 
you know, for some people it may be, I shouldn't say that quickly what I don't believe. So for some people, purpose may exist from age 18 and it continues on to 88. I think for a large number of people, purpose will be for a season in their life. Good example is Bill Gates. I mean, he was Mr. Microsoft. And you would think that he would have been Mr. Microsoft forever. But point came when he said, I'm turning over the reins to every to other folks. I'm, I'm beginning to pursue another purpose, which is foundational work. So right. those are some quick questions a person can ask to begin to start the process of just trying to find out where they're supposed to be in life at this point in time. Those are fantastic. We could spend an entire podcast just on those questions. You know, I, I think it's helpful for a lawyer to do that on their own. And it's even more helpful to have a, a partner in that process, whether it be a professional like yourself or, or a coach or, or just a trusted friend or spouse or partner to be able to um, help the lawyer flush out the answers to these questions. I think that's those are really, really important questions. And Cedric, regarding your journey, you're, you're starting to change or transition, taking the leap towards changing what your career world looks like. Isn't that right? Is this okay that I'm saying this out loud now, or is this supposed to be sure. still under the wrap? It's, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's beginning to, the, the layers of the onion are beginning to peel back. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm beginning to uh, take some of what I've been doing gradually and slowly over the past uh, six or so years, and I'm really pushing full throttle to do it in a larger way coming this summer. I'm, I'm looking to take a lot of the work and do it online, more webinar-based, more on-demand-based, uh, so I can reach more people at different time periods. And I, I've got a big, bold vision. By the year 2030, I want to help at least 10,000 lawyers find joy, satisfaction, and meaningfulness in their career uh, and life. And ultimately, on a day-to-day basis, that's sort of my, that's my why, that's my purpose, to help lawyers find joy, satisfaction, and meaningfulness in their career and life. And it's still, like I said, still unfurling, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn, C-E-D-R-I-C, last name Ashley, A-S-H, L-E-Y. Just connect with me on LinkedIn. If you want to be part of the journey, I'll be in touch with you. Yeah, that, that's an ambitious goal, Cedric, and um, certainly something just in, in hearing you talk for these last few minutes on our on our podcast that I think uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's, that's an achievable goal for you and what a difference you will make not only for individual lawyers, but for the legal system in general, for the practice of law, if you can help lawyers be uh, happier or more contented doing things that are more consistent with their values, what a difference that'll make both for them as professionals, but also in their relationships. I agree. I mean, you get to the point in life where you realize, hey, I'm just another guy. I was in court maybe a couple months back. I'll be 54 this this July. Uh, so I'm looking at, you know, 24 or 26 ish, 34. So we'll say 26, 36, 46, 56, 66, 76. All these people of different ages, different generations with their, you know, their litigation bag. And it's like, okay, you know what? There's enough lawyers here. There's there's a space that's there's, a, there's more of a space and need for somebody who wants to assist these lawyers in all these nuances because, you know, the stats are you know, one in 25, whether it's alcohol dependent or anxiety or depression or stress, any one of those stats can impact 
a third to 20% of the profession. And I'm humble enough to say there's another person that can litigate a case. There's another person that can take a deposition. There's another person that could defend someone. So I can step back and say, hey, there's more room for younger lawyers to do that work. I've done it. It was fun. But now there's a different, I think, calling. For you, it's it's not about stepping back. It's about stepping forward mm. for something that you're passionate about. And and one last thing, and then we're sure. going to need to wrap up. But you know, in my work with lawyers, in uh, as a coach and as a therapist, and also in doing my programs, the CLE programs, I find lawyers to be uh, certainly bright and hardworking and committed. So when they decide that they want to do something, they really commit to it. So I'm pretty hopeful about the work that you're going to do. Thank you. Any last thing you want to say, Cedric, before we wrap up? Be courageous. Yeah. Take take chances and realize that life is not a dress rehearsal. From what we understand, we've got one shot at this life. And don't be afraid to fail. Fantastic. Thank you, Cedric. And we are going to wrap up uh, this conversation with Cedric Ashley. And before I end the podcast, I want to thank our producer, Allie Edwards. She has taken us to the point we are now, which is the end of episode seven. So Allie, Chris, and I really appreciate all the work you are doing to make this podcast successful. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.